Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Everything we do is for the greater good. The, the greater, greater good. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Hot Fuzz. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, my name is Don. And to my right, we have our comic book guy, John. Yarp. And to my left, we have the professor, Ken. Good evening, citizens. How you guys doing tonight? Uh, feeling pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Doing good. Yeah. So we're here. We're going to talk about Hot Fuzz, which is my pro- butt, my buddy movie. This is the professor's last genre pick. I, yeah. I was wondering, what what was your buddy movie? Clerks 2. That was, Really? Yeah. That was a while ago. That was a while ago, right? Nikes. Yeah. John, what was your buddy movie? Tommy Boy. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, and then you finished up last week. Uh, with Willy Wonka as your final musical. My period piece. <clears throat> and um, so that just leaves one left in the hat, uh, which is my Western, which we'll find out at the end of the show tonight. So there you go. And I'm sure I'll hate it. And well, I'm counting on it. Um, thus concludes our genre pick section of Three Guys in a Flick. Hey, what is uh, John... What, what, what's the definition that you've got there for a buddy movie? Two guys that like each other and hang Oh, for out. fuck's sake, you don't have it? I, I didn't write down. I figured a buddy movie is just about two buddies. You know you know why he didn't write it down? You know why he didn't take the time? Because it wasn't his movie. Oh. He treats you and I like, you know, they're not important. I don't like these movies. Um, so if this was his buddy movie, he would have had a definition. He would have had uh, examples. So, yeah, that's why he didn't write it down. I thought it was because I hate the British. Oh, wow. I'm wow. kidding. <clears throat> so, sorry, Lucy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Hot Fuzz. Uh, your buddy movie. Professor yep. Why? I picked this because I thought that it, it really showcases uh, what I think a buddy movie should be. So, uh, what I think a buddy movie is, is where you have two characters that are, uh, I don't want to say necessarily diametrically opposed, but they are definitely different characters that eventually come together in a unifying sense that they started out as apart and they end up as together. That's what I think of when I think of a buddy movie. Cool. But that doesn't necessarily work when you look at something like the Blues Brothers, because the Blues Brothers, true and true. Right? Through and through. When you look at Tommy Boy, very different characters, but they come together, but only at the very end. So what I when I when I think about these characters, the drive that, that uh, Nicholas Angel has compared to what Danny has, they are completely opposite characters. And this is one of the first movies that I think about when I think about a buddy movie. Interesting. And a great movie. Right, and definitely would fall under the genre of buddy movie, which is defined by a movie portraying a close friendship between two people, especially between two men. Basically what I said. 
No, that's not what you said. <laughs> so this came out in 2007. Did any? Did either of you ever take a look? What else was on in 2007? What was big in 2007? I thought this was a really strong movie. And this movie, when it came out, it had um, all the backing of all the studios. And it was definitely um, a, a love story, if you will, for uh, Simon Wright. Or, I'm sorry, Edgar Wright and uh, Simon Pegg. Because these two guys, they hit it out of the park when they were doing Shaun of the Dead. And the studio said, hey, whatever you want to do, you just do. And I, I, I thought that, that this was... Uh, a great movie. You you said it appropriate there. You said a second ago this was a love story. Don, when did this movie come out in the UK? February 16th. And what is February 16th in the UK? <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and guess it's Valentine's Day. It is Valentine's Day. This movie came out on Valentine's Day in the UK. Yeah. So, appropriate for a love story. Yeah. And in 2007, I mean, it had some uh, co- uh, some tough competition there. Atonement, American Gangster, Eastern Promises, Juno, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Smoking Aces, Oceans 13, Zodiac, The Bo- Born Ultimatum, and 300, or just to name a few. That was more than a few. Hey, we, we've reviewed Atonement. Oh, yeah, we have. It was a pretty good movie. I liked it. I liked it too. Yeah. John liked it too, but he's not ready to watch it anytime soon. No, I don't think John liked it at all. Do you and know, that's do, do you okay. Because there was no atonement in the movie. Well, she did the best that she could do. Yeah. Well, that, yeah that, 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 that was her effort sucked. to do the best that she could do. One other little thing about it. What's that? It wasn't a musical. Yeah. Well, there was that. Yeah. There was that. So you're saying it wasn't perfect. Is what you're trying to say. As previously stated, Hot Fuzz was released on February 16th, 2007 in the UK and on April 20th, 2007 in the United States. It was directed by Edgar Wright. It was written by Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg. It stars Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Jim Broadbent, and a whole lot of other actors. Including James Bond. James Bond. Yes, Yes. Well, not James Bond. He's no, no, no. You're right. Timothy Dalton. Hey, man, once well, you're a Bond, you're an always you're always a Bond. For our other listeners who have good taste, he was, you know, also the Prince in Flash Gordon. Oh, nice pull there, Prince Baron. In fact, just a little nod to it. That's why he had the mustache the way he did in his acting. He was actually was a nod to his character, Prince Baron. It was the way he was acting and looking in the movie. Well, that's why he was the character I liked least in the movie then. And which is funny because I love this movie. So, ha, ha, ha. Okay. Joke's on you. Okay, so counterpoint. Did you have a favorite supporting character? Uh, Danny. No. He, is he supporting? Yes, absolutely. I, I, he's, I, not, I, he's, not, he's not on the same plane as Simon Pegg's character. Even in Shaun of the Dead. Excluding in, Danny. Excluding Danny, did you have a favorite supporting character? Um, I did. Who? I would say Doris. Only because... Oh, she's hilarious. Because I guess in uh, cop British cop movies, or in British precincts, when they don't know women's names, officers' names, they call them Doris. So that's why they named her Doris. And she says everything that you think the guys would say. Right. 
So I just I just love that about that character. Yeah, she she was definitely funny. Uh, for me, I would probably have to say, uh, did the Andes count as one? That's character? where I am too, because I think they're my favorite supporting, and it's it's a bit of a slough. But yeah, the Andes. Yeah, I thought you were going to say, say Lurch. Well, I mean, he was. I wouldn't call him my favorite supporting Yarp? character. You I mean, mean he has a name, Lurch. It's Michael Lurch. Michael. Oh. Hey, we we can keep going around and around and around and around. Yarp. Uh, so this movie was, uh, as we said, written by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. This isn't their first outing. This uh, film is actually considered the second film in the Cornetto trilogy, which consists of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and At World's End. Why is it Cornetto? What's the Cornetto course correlate to? I'm glad you asked. Uh, in Shaun of the Dead... Uh, Simon Pegg's character asks Nick Frost if he can get anything uh, for him from the shop, and he says Cornetto. Cornetto is an ice cream treat. Uh, and so when they go to the shop yes. in Hot Fuzz, what do they get? Yes, they get the ice cream, and that's what they're eating in the Plus, car. The when, Cornetto. Which right. kind do they get? Well, uh, well wait. Because it's specific to each movie yes. is which ice cream they're eating. I know that in World's End, it's the green one, whatever that is. It's chocolate chip mint represents sci-fi and aliens. And so this one has to be blue because blue bloods, they're brothers. So it was vanilla ice cream in a blue wrapper. Look at this guy. And what is Shaun of the Dead? Red? It has to be red blood, right? Is it Raspberry. Like it, it's, it's strawberry, strawberry or because strawberry. of zombies and blood. Yeah. Well done. Nice poll. Yeah. Well, he looked it up on the internet. Um. <laughs> People are going to start figuring us out if you give away all of our secrets. Uh, I only say that because listeners, we do all the heavy lifting for you. So you don't have to. And I only say that because I didn't know that. And that's fucking awesome. So well, it's also well the fact. Done. That I hate to admit, but I have not seen Shaun of the Dead or At World's End all the way through. Dick move banner. I know. Wait, green. Aliens. Yeah. Green blood. Yeah. Mr. Spock. What? Oh, yeah. Mr. Spock. All right. So, Hot Fuzz. Yes. How'd this movie do? Uh, this movie was made for $16 million and it uh, brought in $81 million. So, not too bad. It's about... After outshining his superiors, a London police officer is transferred to a village where the easygoing officers object to his fervor for regulations as a string of grisly murders strikes the town. In my research for this movie, would you call this movie a parody or a spoof? Neither. Exactly. Why not? Because it's a, it's an originally made movie that is trying to be funny, and when it goes dark, it's trying to be dark. It's trying to be serious with its murders. I think because they reference a lot of pulp culture things, it doesn't make it a spoof. And I don't think it's a parody because of how serious the cast plays the roles. That's what Simon Pegg said. He said if it was a parody or a spoof, that's more of making fun of something, and it's usually over-the-top humor. He wanted to pay homage to action movies and police movies. And it all started, I guess, with him and Edgar reading a book by uh, Roger Ebert on every 
you know, cliche that has appeared in different movies. Mm -hmm. So he fit in every cliche that they could find into this movie as to pay homage to uh, all action movies out there. There's a way you can do it well, and there's a way you can really screw that up. And these guys, uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, that team can really do no wrong in my book. So they, they knew how to do it, and they did it right, and this film is proof of that. So, Do you have a favorite typical movie action movie cliche no i love them i love them all because i i've listed a few you know, <laughs> this movie covers everything from firing two guns in the air while jumping high speed pursuits witty one-liners firing a gun directly into the air which is great one to point point break uptight cop matched with a goofy cop monologuing bad guys soaring doves uh the the best cop on the squad Lots of bullets, but very little damage. Heroes with a rad name, and Nick Angel's a pretty rad name. Yeah. Even though I guess they named him after someone actually uh, working behind the scenes. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, screaming, no! The suiting up montage, which is always my favorite. And the final showdown in the rain. Fitted in so well that I thought that you really, you know, you kind of noticed them, but they weren't heavily obvious yeah like subtle right yeah very yeah. subtle yeah i really enjoyed it um did you have a favorite cliche that they pulled off in this it was very satisfying when danny finally got to be really frustrated about no not wanting to shoot his dad and he got to roll onto his back and yell out no and shoot his gun up into the air <laughs> but what makes that seem very so satisfying. great is that he asks nick nicholas angel if he's done it when they're sitting there uh, <laughs> radaring cars <laughs> That's the first half of the movie. What about this? Yeah. What about this? I Did love you that. do this? And he literally named off everything that they do later on yeah. in the movie. Yeah, it's and it's so well written. That's and that's the thing about these guys. Uh we were talking about, you know, the Cornetto trilogy. They're all written so smartly, mm -hmm. right? And they're they're written so smart that they kind of pay homage to each other throughout all three films right yeah. so there are a lot of things in here that were either uh mirror images of or very close to things that they do uh, or say in Shaun of the dead for example the fence right <laughs> well that that was gonna be my big question too which is like again i haven't seen the other two movies do you feel like to get some of the jokes in this movie? Like I didn't know about the fence thing in the other movies. No, they work. You, on, they work on their own. Do you do you think they work on their own just as Absolutely. well? Absolutely, because I think it might have been funnier had I seen them in the other movies or some of the lines, the one-liners they use. Okay, well let me, let me ask you this then. Let's take the fence uh, scene. Did you find it funny? I thought it was humorous, but I wonder if I would have found it even more funny knowing. That it had been in another movie, and I guess the roles were reversed. I don't know if... Uh, I, I guess you'll just have to see. Well, I don't yeah. know if, if it would be funnier. I think uh, for me, when I saw it, I went, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it, it was still funny on its own. Mm -hmm. um, you, don't, you don't have to see the other two in order to watch this film. This film definitely stands on its own. Does watching the other two enhance it? Yeah, if, if you like the other two and if, if you pick up on it, uh, but it all starts with Shaun of the Dead. One thing I think this movie does great, and I really love seeing, is they make the joke about when they're watching, they watch the two movies, Point Break and Bad Boys 2, that that would have been a lot of paperwork. 
Yeah. And then I love, we get to see a scene so wait, of so Nicholas Angel doing a lot of paperwork. Yeah. So was that your favorite cliche scene? That was actually an anti-cliche because you never see in any of these movies, like Lethal Weapon, any of them, them doing paperwork afterwards. So I love the anti-cliches that showed up in this movie as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. They, yeah. Riggs and Murtaugh never do fucking paperwork. What about the moment when the, the gal in, in the uh, uh, village and she's riding on her bike towards us and she's firing the guns uh-huh. over, over her basket. I loved it. I love that. He comes riding in on a horse, just, just strapped out right he's got all the guns and he comes out and he's got the toothpick in his fucking mouth too right oh my gosh it's so good and i could see how you would think that uh you know it could be cheesier it could be over the top but we've been along or we've been along with this ride since the movie started you buy it and it doesn't feel over the top it's just it's fun did you catch at the end with the big shootout that all of the bad guys, all the people of the village were positioned in the same places they were from the beginning of the movie where we meet them all. No. Oh, no, I didn't put... Yeah, they were all in the exact same areas. Nicholas Angel, a high-achieving metropolitan police officer, is promoted to sergeant, but his resentful colleagues arrange for him to be reassigned to the small rural town of Sanford, Gloucestershire, a regular Village of the Year winner. Angel is soon frustrated and bored by the village and his lazy and incompetent colleagues. His partner, PC Danny Butterman, whom he arrested earlier for drunken behavior, is a fan of buddy cop films and the son of Inspector Frank Butterman, Angel's superior. Martin Blower and Eve Draper, the two lead actors of an and Dram production of Romeo and Juliet, whom Angel has pulled over earlier for speeding, are murdered by a cloaked axe-wielding figure who stages it as a car accident. Angel is the only officer who suspects foul play. Angel warms to Danny as they binge-watch action movies at Danny's home. That night, a wealthy landowner, George Merchant, is attacked in his home by a cloaked figure and killed in a deliberate gas explosion. So, I'd like to talk about the how this movie opens. The intro that we get on Nicholas Angel... That montage sets the tone for all of the editing that happens in all of the transitions during this movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just appreciate it so much. The, all of these, uh, I, I'm going to call them smash cuts, where it's just fast and furious, busy, busy, busy. And you get all this frenetic energy. And, and uh, I, I love the goody two-shoes on top of it, actually. But uh, we, we get this um, courtesy of Edgar Wright's directing style, how he wants to, you know, you know, just slam this down our throats, you know, this cold efficiency of Nicholas Angel. Just loved it. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the opening? I thought it was great. I, I was, like I said, I didn't know what I was really watching, so I didn't know at first if they were going to be very sarcastic about it. And get, but no, they made him out to be the super cop. That he and I thought it was a great twist in the beginning that he was getting sent to the small village not because he did anything wrong or that because you know that village needed him, it's because he was making everybody look bad. And I, I thought that was a great twist to a start of a movie, yeah, yeah. Um, I have in my notes here it's a catchy opening, 
and and that's what it does it catches you and it uh fills you in real quick and yeah i love the bit that uh he's too good yeah and, and you want you want to talk to the superior the superior is like right there yeah no and that and that's i love that scene uh in this opening is when he gets called in to say you know what you've been making us uh look bad and we're transferring you and uh bilbo baggins is the one that tells him right yeah. mm-hmm. martin freeman and uh he says uh i'd like to take this upstairs and he goes okay and then the other guy comes down and that's steve gogan and i think he's he's hilarious he's he's a funny actor um and then he's like nope i want to take it even higher and you know you think he's gonna call the on the phone and bring him down but he just leans over the desk and there's there's the met chief inspector right and he comes in and and every one of those interactions uh they all start with hello nicholas how's the hand and he's all it's a bit stiff Right. And then the next guy comes in. Hello, Nicholas. How's the hand? And Bilbo says to the his superior, oh, no, no, no. That was, uh, he says that to the chief inspector. He says it's a bit stiff, but it's a running gag that keeps going on. And I, I just fucking love this opening. I guess in the UK, uh, each actor that they brought in to be a superior was a higher level actor in consideration. So oh, I can fully they, see that. They yeah. kept going up to who was the more popular actor. There were so many great cameos that were just hidden. Like at the CSI scene, you got Kate Blanchett, who's usually you get to see her and you know she's in a movie. You only get to see her eyes in the movie. She's got the mask on. Fuck off. Kate Blanchett was not in this film. Yes, she was. Or was it oh, not, did, I'm sorry, Janine, not Kate she, Blanchett? Uh, yeah, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, she was Janine. How did I not know that? I don't know, but he goes in. So Janine, uh, over there. Well, yeah, 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 that's a great scene too. You caught Peter Jackson. Yeah, as Father Christmas. He was the yeah. the Santa that stabs him. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I, that just cracks me up. And then, uh, you know, oh, is it Robert? Hello. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> no, that whole thing. It, it was Dave. Yeah. Oh, yeah he, and that was another director. I can't remember who that was. Oh. That was in the the CSI scenes was full of cameos. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. Fucking and the, brilliant. And then right after that, he leaves town, and we get another awesome smash cut how many movies have we watched where you transition from one location to the different location and it's that helicopter shot of the car on the freeway we've seen that a bunch of times or if you're moving from city to city it's the overhead helicopter shot looking down at the buildings sure no we get the smash cuts that are put together and I just love the way that is just slammed together. You you got him with his uh, what is it? it's it's like a Japanese peace, peace lily. Yeah, Japanese peace lily. You know, you get the taxi at the beginning, and then boom, 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 and it ends with a taxi at the end. Delightful, so good. I love that transition. I think the professor liked this movie. Oh, he fucking should. It's a great fucking movie. Now, do you know why when he goes to that town? Do you know why Edgar? chose that town specifically didn't he grow up there or something that was his hometown and he said it was a dream of his to always come back to that town and mess it up oh that's funny so yeah he is now relocated and uh he gets settled in oh when he comes in and uh, talks to the lady for the first time she's doing a crossword puzzle uh i thought that was pretty funny fascist 
excuse me. And then she reads the definition and then they go through the little banter and then he walks away and he's all hag. And she's like, excuse me. And he's like, Oh, four down, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Oh, thank you. Love. <laughs> it's, it's just the writing again. It's just so good. So good. Uh, and so then he goes to, he goes uh, to the pub and which there's is a bunch a, of underage drinking. Right. And the pub is another reoccurring thing, uh, without these three movies. But yeah, he goes in and I love the bit where he's sitting there and he knows they're all underage and he wants to maybe fight it and let it go for just maybe a half a second, but he can't. He can't turn it off. You, when's your birthday? 14th of February. What What year? year? Every year. Out. (laughs) You, when's your birthday? Blah, 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 1969. You're You're 39 years old. Yes, out. <laughs> he looks at the kid with the braces. Uh, uh, out. Uh, yep. <laughs> so good. And then the. Uh, I just sh- liked at the end of that scene that the bar was empty. And then the pub owner's expression, right? They're like, and what does he say? Would you like another cranberry juice, Inspector? Yeah, yeah. I, I got to give it up for this movie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fucking oh, so good. It is very smartly done. Wait, I got to go back for a second. How have you not seen Shaun of the Dead at least? Wait, yeah, this is a zombie movie we're talking about here. I, I know, and I but feel it's a bad zombie about, movie. It's one of those movies you think I gotta watch this movie. I gotta watch this movie. But then when you go to like find something to watch, you don't remember it. It, I've caught it on TV a few times where I've caught bits and pieces, and I've actually met, makes me angry. I've seen the end of it, but I've never seen the whole movie all the way through. And it is a movie that and at World's End. I, I, I honestly, I feel bad for myself. Huh. Well, good because nobody else does. You son of a bitch. How could you not? Okay. I do. I need to go see it. So let's, listeners, please submit these movies for us to watch. But it's a zombie movie. How could you not have seen this? Well, is it a zombie movie or is it more of a food movie? And when does it take place? So, yeah, we, uh, he, he's at the bar and he kicks everyone out and then he goes, oh, he, then he goes to leave and this is where we meet Nick Frost's character for the first time, Danny Butterman. And I guess, uh, the actor, insisted that he come up with that name danny butterman yeah he he actually chose that name that was one of his requests to be in this movie oh that's funny that's funny uh, these two as a pair are just priceless they they'll go down in history as a if the likes of lauren laurel and hardy um uh riggs and murtaugh riggs and murtaugh I how mean, have we never reviewed lethal weapon because you said you're not a big lethal weapon guy yes but i'm surprised neither one of you put that in there that could have been a period I totally piece. thought could have been putting a that in movie. for the buddy movie could have been a buddy movie could have been a road totally movie. thought that was going to be in could there. have been the action movie could have been a western could have been all of them this is why ladies and gentlemen uh our faithful listeners this is why we will never ever be doing genre picks again so, yeah. You I'm, know what? Fuck you and fuck you too. I'm just now I'm pissed open-minded. off. <laughs> you open-minded my ass. Um, Your ass is open-minded? Well, so he hauls Danny off to the police station. And uh, along the way, he picks up a bunch of the youths that were at the bar. And uh, he, this is where we meet the guy at the, at the front for the first time. And later on, we'll find out that he's a Sar- twin. Sergeant Turner. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out that he's a twin, which is a, is pretty funny. You, um, you want to arrest all of them? <laughs> that's a lot of paperwork. Well, <laughs> and then it's another smash cut of paperwork. Yep. yep. And the mug shots and all of that. And yep. uh, he goes home and he comes back the next day for work. And uh, that 
this is the bit where we get to see him. He goes and he jogs and he runs through the town. And this is where he's meeting the people that apparently that's where they end up getting shot too. Mm -hmm. So that's awesome. I'm going to go back and uh, look for that. And then he gets to the station and uh, he goes to talk to the drunk. And it turns out that his drunk is the partner. A lot of great dialogue there. Um, I love how Danny always picks his brain. Have you done this? Have you done that? Have you seen this? Have you seen that? It's just it's like a little kid with the knowledge. Uh, one of my favorite bits, though, is when uh, they go through the typical day of what Angel has to do, and he's speaking at the school. And he goes, are there any questions? And there was only one question. But we don't see who asks it. And then the camera moves, and we see that it's Danny. Is it true that there is a point in a man's skull that if you shoot it with a bullet, it will explode? <laughs> and then just the look on Nicholas Angel's face. And then we smash cut again. So, yeah, so good. So good, this movie. I, I love the swooshing sounds that in, that uh, encompass these uh, these transitions as well. It, it just uh, lends itself to you know a hyperkinetic action feeling to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we learn that there is a play going on with Romeo and Juliet. And uh, well, actually, before that, we get to we get to uh, meet Skinner in his store, right? Because he's a central character. Yeah, he's one of them. I mean, he's definitely the bad guy. Yeah, and we get the rundown with the shoplifter. Yeah, the guy in the purple jumpsuit. Yeah, because he's fuck ugly. That's the same kid. Yeah. Um, Which leads us to the fence scene. Oh, that's right, because he's chasing the shoplifter and he drums the fence, which is also in Shaun of the Dead and at World's End. How the fuck have you not seen Shaun of the Dead? During the rundown of the uh, purple jumpsuit uh, shoplifter, this is where we get our first glimpse of the neighborhood watch we get a couple of walkie talkies out as angels running by did you catch that the neighborhood watches equipment and technology was much better than the police yeah yeah i did oh yeah it was meant to be like that it was the police department was meant to be completely antiquated completely unfit for what the likes of a Nicholas Angel officer is accustomed to. And you were talking about sounds earlier, and they highlight this by one of the first scenes we see when they come into the police station is you hear an old Mac booting up. That's that noise it makes. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So they pull over, or um, so they go to this play, and uh, they have to sit through it, and it's atrocious, of course. And then they they go to the after party, and this is where we kind of see uh, Skinner running around... Uh, schmoozing schmoozing and and we get to see uh the two sides of the town uh the neighborhood watch side which is skinner and uh, other characters will meet and on the other side is like uh the uh, police the police and and uh, well the people that are fuck-ups right the guy who keeps who right. misspells right uh messenger <laughs> his last name is messenger um you know he he's terrible at grammar and uh skinner says something about that so they're they're actually kind of like you said earlier they're kind of setting you up for telling you who's gonna who's gonna uh, be killed in this film and then uh the, it goes on and this is where we get our first murder yeah uh, and we get to see the the this is our first appearance i think of the cloaked black individual yeah you know what i thought of the first time i saw that scream scream totally yeah, yeah. You know what uh, I thought was interesting, too, is that our first two people that die, they basically say he's an atrocious actor and she has a horrible laugh. Yeah. So they basically killed her just because (laughs) she had a horrible laugh. How would you like to live in this fucking town, right? (laughs) 
people are so judgy. I know. Now, how long would we have made it in that town before the oh, you would cloak have, figure came for us? You would have been just fine because you would have played by the rules and done what you're told. Uh, you too, probably. Me, on the other hand, eh, I don't know. Yeah, I think Ken and I would have helped. Oh, <laughs> for the yeah. greater good. The, the greater, greater good. good. Um. So yeah, and then after that, they're at the bar, they're at the pub, and then uh, the real estate guy, uh, the obnoxious one who Skinner can't stand, gets all drunk, and uh, Nicholas, Angel, and Danny have to walk him home. They walk him home, and this is where we get our second murder. Uh, he is passed out, and then he or he gets knocked out by another uh, figure in black, and then he rigs the house to blow up, and it blows up. And in the meantime, while this is going on, uh, uh, Angel finally goes back to Danny's and this this is probably one of my favorite lines in this film is when uh, they're sitting there and Danny says Point Break or Bad Boy 2 and Bad Boys 2 and Angel says well which one do you think I would prefer and Danny says no, no. which one first which one first <laughs> and then the look on his face like are you serious what are about we- what about that little bit at the at the beheading of the crime accident, I, I really uh, loved that poignant moment when he says, "You know, it was a traffic accident. They're not called accidents; they're called collisions." Because accidents infer that no one is at fault, mm-hmm. or implies it, it implies there's no one to blame. Right? There's no one to blame. Yeah, that's good. I I, I don't know why, but I just really, I just really uh, dug that that moment. I, I don't know why. And, you know, for the most part, when Angel is trying to teach Danny to be a better cop, he he takes it to heart. You know, he if you notice throughout the film now, whenever they refer to accident, he says collision. Right. Yeah. Uh, and especially is the case when talking about the way his mother died. Yeah. He doesn't say that she died in an accident. He says she died in a collision, which is another hint that she didn't die. You know, you know no one was at fault in the way she died. Right. I love when he says... Uh, Oh, but what does he say? Policeman officer. <laughs> <laughs> what made you wanted to be a policeman? Police officer. What made you wanted to be a policeman officer? <laughs> so um, we also uh, didn't get, um, b- before uh, we have the Point Break Bad, Bad Boys 2 moment, we have that bit where they go out to the countryside and they visit the old guy that they can why, why are we bringing the dog? We didn't bring the dog. Oh, we brought the guy because he could translate. Yeah. Uh, did you notice uh, the music when they open it up and he they see all the guns? Uh, did you know what music that was? No, what? It's the music from the Lethal Weapon 2 trailer. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Because it was just... Just, you know, weapon, 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 weapon. Yeah. yeah I just thought it was a great scene because you're always hearing how... British police officers don't carry weapons, things like that. And you go in, and not only is there so much weapons in this place, but there's a freaking landmine. I know. Well, right? well, that ain't a landmine. That's a sea mine. Yeah, they uh, they took that out to sea, dropped it from subs. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Uh, the other thing I really liked is the fact that, you know, I caught in the beginning of the movie when they're introducing all the police officers, there's the one guy that mumbles. Mm-hmm. And so they bring him to translate the other guy mumbling. And I love how they're speaking to each other. And yeah. then Butterman has to translate. The final translation, them. yeah. So Nicholas Angel. But I thought that was clever. And then he goes, oh, hey, do you have a permit for this gun? And he goes, I do for this one. And then just, <laughs> Angel just stops and goes, 
what do you mean this one? And then that's why. And oh, then what does Danny say after that? By the power of gray skull. Oh, and then the that doors just open. made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. The, the writing. I mean, I go on and on and on. And you knew that those weapons were going to come back at some point in this movie. Oh, of course you did. Of course you did. Angel suspects that the killings are connected to a recent property deal. A local journalist, Tim Messenger, approaches Angels at a village festival, claiming to have information, but another cloaked figure dislodges masonry atop the church's steeple, which falls and crushes Messenger's head. Leslie Tiller, the village florist, tells Angel about her plans to sell her house to merchants' business partners. While Angel retrieves his notebook, she is stabbed in her neck with garden shears. Angel gives chase but loses the killer. Angel suspects Simon Skinner, a sinister supermarket manager, as the property deal would have built a rival supermarket. But Skinner has an alibi. Angel is attacked in his hotel room by one of Skinner's employees, Michael Lurch Armstrong. Angel knocks him out and learns about a secret neighborhood watch alliance meeting at Sanford Castle. Angel confronts the NWA, led by Frank, who reveals that they carry out the murders staged as accidents for various petty reasons as each victim supposedly threatens Sanford's chances of winning Village of the Year. Frank's motive is his late wife Irene had put everything into helping Sanford win the first Village of the Year but travelers ruin their chances the night before the judges arrive, driving her to suicide. Angel flees and falls into the castle's catacombs where he finds the corpse of the NWA's other victims. Danny appears and fakes killing Angel, pretending to dispose of the body. Danny drives Angel away and urges him to return to London for his own safety. At a petrol station, Angel sees a rack of films that he and Danny bonded over and decides to return to Sanford. So the church festival thingy opens up with uh, all the community together there. And all too quickly, we realize that Messenger, his time is limited. And sure enough, he gets killed. We have seen a lot of murders lately, especially during our Halloweens. Mm -hmm. That was the most brutal I think I've seen. Okay, which leads me to my next question. I can't quite let the murder of our Halloween stuff go. Do you guys have a favorite kill? In this movie? Yes. Tim Messenger, hands oh, down. Yeah. Just Absol- the way that it comes down yes. and, and lands on his head and he doesn't fall down. He doesn't fall down He right walks away. around with he, this thing he, sticking out of his fucking neck. He staggers with it. I wrote in my notes, I said, Messenger's death rivals any horror movie out there because as as a uh, a gore, as the goriest kill because it it is fucking brutal. And that's what I meant earlier about when I said when this film goes dark, it gets dark, right? But yeah, you know what that scene reminded me of? And I don't know why, but it reminded me of The Omen. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. There's some mm. scenes in The Omen like that. Yeah. Mm. You're talking the original? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which we could have done a remake on that one too. Next Halloween. So I, I also thought that uh, Leslie Tiller's death was uh, pretty brutal. You know, watching those those shears go right down her neck, you know, just above her chest and that blood just squirting right up. Absolutely. It was, like I said, it got fucking dark. Um, and I like the way that after Nicholas starts chasing him, uh, every, uh, we cut back to angel and we cut back to the guy in black and we cut back to angel. And then when we, when we cut back to the guy in black again, he's further away, further and further, he keeps getting further and further. And I thought, Oh, that, that's pretty clever. 
Yeah, but also, I also looked at it thinking, how could he be getting so far away like that? Man, Danny, no way could Danny catch that at all. But we have Nicholas here. He's at the peak form. He talked about at the beginning of the movie and how well he runs, and he's being outrun by this killer. Man, what the hell is going on? And then I'm thinking at the same time, this doesn't feel quite right. Which turns out it's it's accurate because they're they're doing that they're doing that that shell game where they hand off the run, the run. Right. Pretty darn convenient. Yeah. But I didn't care. My first thought was, was it Skinner? Is that who Timothy Dalton played? Yeah. Uh, Skinner, it was another hint that he was the killer because of the jogging scene that he was a pretty fast runner. That's Absolutely. And so that's why after Nicholas, uh, you know, after the murder and, and he can't catch him, blah, 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 they go to Skinner. And he goes, well, uh, the, the killer hurt his leg. Yeah, he, jumped, he hurt his leg, so you should have a scar right here. And it's nothing. And then and the other leg, it's nothing. So at that at that moment, I remember thinking to myself, ah, there's more than one. That was my first thought, too. Yeah. yeah. And then right before... But they was, did such a good job at the bait and switch. Um, when it shows his employees, and they look like the zombies from Shaun of the Dead when they open up the curtains. Yes! Yes, they look so great, John. You don't know what we're talking about because you haven't seen the movie. Oh, and and with all the carts and just the whole grocery store film yes. is like the opening of Shaun and the Dead, which again you wouldn't know because that you haven't seen guy. it. Yeah, and, and and so once we have this happen, where uh, you know, nice try on trying to get Skinner. You know, Angel, he's got this huge letdown, and and then he suddenly has a breakthrough about. He starts putting the pieces of the puzzle together. He starts researching and he starts connecting dots. Because that's what he does. He can't switch it off. You can't switch it off. Because yeah, he's I a super that. cop. He's totally a super cop. I love this guy. Uh, so, yeah, he puts it together and then he goes to Danny, doesn't he? Uh, he goes to Frank. Oh, he goes to Frank because at this point we don't know if Frank's in on it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then Frank shuts him down. And then with that, I, I, I once again good tone good pace because now angel he's defeated right he's he's broken and he's been and and, and we get this dejection and 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 the 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 pace of the movie slows and then he dejectedly goes back to his room and instead of just showing him walking up the hallway we have several cuts several swoosh cuts like we get throughout the movie i love these cuts the way that it shows him going through you know, his trip back home. Yeah. And then when he gets to his room, ba-bam, there's the black-robed killer. The whole idea that the whole town's kind of in on it, do you know what that paid homage to? Probably another action film? It was The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage. No, with Christopher Lee. Was that Christopher Lee? Yeah, uh, Nicolas Cage was in the remake and... Something about you, dude. (laughs) Well, anyway, it was the Wicker Man that they were kind of portraying in that part. I can totally see that. I can. T- Have you ever seen the Wicker Man? Only parts of it. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen Shaun of the Dead? Um. So yeah, uh, Lurch is waiting there for him, and he- Michael. He has a name. Yarp. Yarp. Narp. And so he, uh, Nicholas, Yarp. manages to knock him out, and then uh, uh, Michael. His phone rings and Nicholas answers it. I love that. And he knows that all he says is Yarp, right? But then he asks, uh, you can hear Skinner ask him a question and the the answer is no, but he doesn't know how to say no in Yarp. So he says, Narp? 
with a question mark and the you hear the guy on the other line go oh good and then just the look of relief on his face it's great so so yeah then he goes to uh the secret meeting uh of the nwa because everything they do is for the greater good the, the greater, greater good. good and you uh, what i love about this bit is when they before they open up the meeting Oh, before we open up the meeting, I just wanted to let you know, blah, 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 had their baby. And they're like, oh, and everything's just like business as usual. But these guys are fucking serial killers. Did you think of the names of the newborns? No. What were the names of the newborns? One was Roger. And what's the other? Martin? Yes. Is it really? Yes. Oh, fuck me, dude. Now I, you know what? As soon as we're done recording, I'm going to watch it again. Riggs and Murtaugh. Yeah, that's awesome. That They're in a movie that's called Lethal Weapon, John, and it was made in 1987, directed by Richard Donner. It's a great action film. I thought it was kind of overrated. Um, I think you would, might like it. Would you watch one or two first? See, that's really hard. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you asking me now that, me as I am now, or me as if I've never seen them before? As you are now. What two. Do you get? Yeah, yeah. See, it's really hard. You watch one or two first. I go, I, I go with two. Probably. All I can say to that is, it's been revoked. Nice. Oh, I like that. Yeah, nice pull. All right. So yeah. So we get to we get to the circle and it's Frank, just been revoked. And, and and Frank reveals his true self. Why, why you gotta step on my balls there? <laughs> get it right. All right. Older. There's this is the reason why you guys should never submit le- any lethal weapon movies as suggested movies. That will be a three-hour podcast. We need a Kevin Costner movie. We had a Kevin Costner movie, The we Untouchables. Need, that hasn't been posted yet. Yeah, but you said we need a Kevin Costner movie, and well, I'm just simply retorting with, the we've had audience, a... The listening audience doesn't have it yet, so I'm telling the listening audience, we need a Kevin Costner movie. So now we've got Angel on the run, and shit, Danny's in on it too. Oh, and I love I love uh, Simon Pegg's uh, reaction Danny, no, like they had come so far. And I mean, deep down inside, you know, Danny's not going to be with the NWA ultimately. You but, sure hope. But that's just it, right? You're hoping that that's it's the It's his case. dad. Yeah. You knew when he stabbed him that it was the same thing as the eye earlier on with the ketchup packet. You didn't know that. You didn't it know was that. You didn't know you that. Didn't know that. You didn't know that. I, I called it out. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Wait, didn't. wait. Did Julie call it out? No. That's, that's out. who called it out because she hated it so much. I called it out in front of Julie so she can be my witness. Oh, God. Like she wouldn't say that you did. So <laughs> <laughs> give me a better alibi, buddy. Um, so now Danny decides to help him and he helps him get away. Yeah. He helps him get away and uh, he's having a uh, moral dilemma, right? Do I go back to London or do I go and... Uh, see this thing through take yep. on the whole town yeah and what what is the catalyst that makes him decide to go back bad boys too when he sees it on the, the dvd sees rack. both movies in the yeah DVD <laughs> and he decides he's going to be an avenging angel yeah he's got to put the sunglasses on he's got to do the gear up yep that was so good then he buys a bunch of uh spray paint and you knew you knew what you knew what was going <laughs> yeah. with that yeah did you pick up that after he pays yeah, at first he gives the amount that he's owed and then he thinks about it and gets the more stuff and gives him more money and then the shop owner takes the money and then he gives him back his trash. You know what the trash was? Mm. The Cornetto wrapper. Oh. 
Nice. So then he decides to go back, and I love the bit where uh, he's sitting there in the car, and then it cuts to uh, the two old people, the farmers, and uh, <laughs> he runs. He, he runs. He he runs into him with the car. He gets out, and then the old lady's shooting at him with the double barrel shotgun, and he just goes up and clocks her. He drop kicks her in the face. And uh, and then when we so see good. her sitting there next to him, and she's got the whole bloody nose set. Yeah. Oh my god! It's like, oh, that was so funny. And so now he's coming. So where does he go next? He goes to the town square. No, he goes to the police station. Oh right, because he's got a. We need our suit up scene, right? The the another, suit up montage, another smash up, and his uh his uh shotgun. He I I found out he ended up giving it a pet name. He refers to his shotgun lovingly behind the scenes as Sarah. Did you notice, and maybe I have to go back and rewatch it, during the big shootout scene at no. the end here, nobody actually got shot. Well, they got shot in the legs. Did they? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. The doctor the, the doctor gets shot in the legs, but you're right. He, he, they would shoot something and something would knock him out. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, very non-lethal. Because mm-hmm. he's the best. And, you know, the whole bit with he, it, the whole cliche of the cop not wanting to fire a gun anymore, right? There's that in this. Um, and you know what? You asked me earlier what my favorite cliche was. I think that's it because they're at the shooting gallery and the festival. And Danny's like, oh, I want the monkey. Win me the monkey. And he takes the air rifle and caresses it. Like it's, you know, just that moment in that action movie. Who does that the best? Like The Rock or, you know, Stallone or, or one of those guys. And he does it with this uh, uh, air air rifle. And the way they cut it together is just so good. You know, so now that he's got the real guns, he 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 goes through the trouble of not actually killing anyone. So mm-hmm. that's that's good. I like that. But the whole fact that he shows up on this white horse, you know, so high noon. Oh, very much. Right? It's him against everybody. Nobody's behind him. Yeah. And then... uh, Except the kids. I thought it was funny is the kids that he was arresting and causing problems for in the beginning. uh, What does he say? Does he say, you know what to do? Yeah, something like that. (laughs) And just, they're all the ones on his side. So it's all the people who are the outcasts of the town. Right. Uh, uh, a role reversal if you will yeah and then danny sees what's going on and he gets off the horse and he just throws him the shotgun and now here come the fuzz and skinner even says that yeah i I just love watching that shootout just the massive amount of gunfire from these older people that i'm thinking i wonder if they've ever actually fired guns before they probably have but you know like the 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 women Probably not. They, I don't know. They all seemed like they were pretty familiar with the weapons, though. They yeah. were very proficient. Yeah. Hilarious. The next day, Angel arms himself with confiscated guns. He and Danny engage in a shootout with the NWA. When Frank brings out and orders the other officers to arrest them, Angel and Danny convince them that Frank is the culprit. Frank flees, and the officers besiege the supermarket with Skinner fleeing in a car with Frank. After a car chase, Angel corners Skinner at Sanford's model village, and Skinner is impaled through the jaw by a miniature church steeple. Frank, after briefly holding Danny hostage, attempts to escape in Angel's car, but is attacked by a missing swan. Angel's former superiors arrive and ask him to return to London, as the crime rate has risen heavily in his absence, but Angel decides to remain in Sanford. 
While the Sanford police are going over the paperwork of the arrest, the elderly Tom Weaver, the last NWA member, bursts into the station wielding a blunderbuss. He shoots at Angel, but Danny jumps in front. In the resulting struggle, Weaver accidentally activates the naval mine, killing himself and destroying the station. One year later, Angel has been promoted to inspector and head of Sanford police, and Danny is sergeant. After visiting Irene's grave, the two drive off to their next crime scene. End movie. I have to say that the uh, Skinner, when he got the steeple through his below his chin, yeah. that is one of my favorite scenes. Because normally you think, oh, the bad guy's dead. Okay, whatever. And then he's like, this really hurts. <laughs> yeah. I, well, when that I first caught me off guard. Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought he died too. But That's then when I they thought. cut back to him, and then his, uh, his mug shot. He's all bandaged up, and he's got the, the gauze underneath it. Yeah, it's just really good. It was just great because he was such a talker, and he wouldn't shut up. Yeah. And then he's, this really hurts. <laughs> so um, when we get the uh, the police force joining Danny and Nicholas, I thought that was a, a really uh, pivotal scene because it shows that the entire village is not in on this whole you know, conspiracy of keeping people out. Right. Even the uh, Sanford police department isn't corrupt. It was just Frank. So that was good to see too. Yeah. You know, and the banter between all of these guys after they started getting along was pretty good too. I like that. When Mm -hmm. they go to the store, they have the the shootout, the supermarket, they have the shootout and everything. Yeah. It's, it's it's really good. And Frank got to be his wild west character with his double guns. Yep. 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 And then we get the uh, dramatic ending where uh, Skinner and Frank are trying to get away, but then they swerve off the road because there's 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 the the goose, the swan, the swan, yes, yeah. the swan, ah, the swan. Yeah, which is a callback to earlier when he gets a phone call from P.S. Taker, P.I. Staker, Piss Taker. Come on! But it turns out to be a real dude. He's like, oh, sorry, Mister Miss Taker. Yeah, that was so good. Stephen Merchant is the guy who. Uh, uh, plays him and uh, he's a another funny, great cameo yeah he's a funny dude too and i love how he goes uh well can you describe uh could you describe this one and steven merchant's like uh it's a swan is uh, orange bill white <laughs> well, one of the best things we didn't cover earlier too is when they were looking for the swan and there's butterman going huh <laughs> yes 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 the swan is in the credits. Yeah, it is. I saw that. I Did saw that. you see what else is it, in the his, credits? His name is Elvis. <laughs> when, uh, was it Frank that took the boy hostage? Yeah. And the boy turns out to be Aaron A. Ackerman. Oh, Anderson. Yeah. Anderson. And because and and it's a callback to the ghost. What am I going to do? Uh, uh, interrogate every citizen. In the phone book, starting with. A. A. Aaron. No. A. Aaron. Anderson. Now, did you see what Simon Pegg and Edgar did? What's that? They put that name as the very last name in the credits. Oh, because it would be the first yeah. alphabetical. So they're just playing with it. Yeah, no, that's good. That's such a good callback. I mean, that's such good writing. You know what I mean? Can you imagine sitting around writing with those guys and they're just laughing and going, oh, you know what else we should do? is Because we said this earlier. Let's put this well, here. They took their time from what I think I, I believe I read was it took 14 months yeah, to write the script. I, I, I read oh, yeah? something like that too. It was like, it was, well, it was like a year and a half. Yeah, like six weeks to film, but 14 months yeah. to write the script. 
Yeah. So it it shows the quality of the the story. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I love that they uh, asked Nick Frost for his character to go out and watch a bunch of police movies, like action movies. 90s action movies. And he only watched one. What movie did he watch? I would have to say it'd be Bad Boys 2. That's the only movie he watched in preparation for this movie. And did you notice... Uh, well, let's go backwards. Did you notice that when they were watching those two movies, uh, after the house exploded, it cut to the scene of Bad Boys Two when Martin Lawrence goes, "Shit just got real," and th- and at that moment everything blew up and shit just got real in Sanford too. So nice little parallels there, parallels. So <clears throat> did you think that Danny died? He got <sighs> shot. He got shot by the blunderbuss, and then the explosion happens. John, did you think that Danny died? No, I figured it would be just like any other, the way all these action movies in the 90s and 80s ended, which is they always had one of the good guys get shot, then they go through this whole little scene, and you find out he lived. Yeah. I I had a feeling he he was somehow, but I loved the the explosion and crawling out of the bricks. It reminded me of the Blues Brothers when the yeah, yeah, oh, the yeah. building came down. Yeah. Kind of cartoony that they're all crawling out of the bricks. They all survived that. It reminded me of Wayne's World. It, I can't remember if it's Wayne's World 1 or Wayne's World 2. One of the endings. It's one of the, I think it might have been one, the first movie. And he's holding Garth after the big explosion. No! Uh, that's what that reminded me of. I had, I was... I was hoping that he wasn't dead because the next thing you see is they cut to Nicholas Angel leaving and now they're at a grave and he's looking at a, a, a grave and it he's says bunch, Butterman. Yeah, and he's got but, a bunch of flowers. Right, but it's cut off so you don't see the first yeah, name. Right. And I don't know if... I, I understand why they would have done it and I would have bought it and I would have just accepted it in time. But when they pull back and it's the mom's name and Danny's right there next to him, I'm just like, fuck yeah. Yeah, I had a feeling they wouldn't end it in such a, a down tone like that. I don't know if that would be down, though, because I think, Nicholas, I mean, they brought peace to the uh, the town, and that's what they were trying to do, and Danny mm-hmm. was on board. He, You could tell he wanted to be a good cop, and he, mm-hmm. he died for the cause. He died saving... Yeah. He would have died saving Angel's life. What so. do you think, Professor? Were you thinking he was dead? I thought that he didn't make it, because it said one year later, and I'm thinking, eh, all right. I'll be curious to see what you think of when you watch Shaun of the Dead, how that movie ends. I will throw out a little more piece of trivia. Yeah, hit me. Do you know what the original name was for this movie? Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. Well, one of the original names was Hot Fuzz with two T's. Why two T's? Because there's two Z's on the end of Fuzz. Because they, they also wanted to make it be like a typical action movie from the 90s where they kind of play with the name. But Simon Pegg said he did not want to go and do all the interviews having to explain why they added a second T. So he absolutely refused on that. Oh, that makes so much sense. Could you imagine? Every press junket, every time you sat down, why two T's, Simon? Yeah, they would have made him explain it. Yeah, that's funny. Well, I think we should rate this bitch. How do we do our ratings, Professor? We have a scale of one to five. Five is a movie that you are ready to watch again right away. You just got done watching it and you're ready to, yeah, I'll watch that again right now. Might be at the movie theater, and it's like, yeah, I'll do that again right now. A one is a movie that you saw it, and you have no desire to ever see it again. This movie, for whatever reason, it just did not rock your world. It is a complete misfire, and with that, you're done with it. A three, somewhere in the middle, you have that feeling that that was a good movie, 
And if somebody wants to see it again, yeah, you'll see it again. And what's a zero? A zero is a movie that somebody owes you two hours of your life back because it is so awful. What did you give a zero? The original Friday the 13th. What did you give the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake? I think that was a point five. Wow. What did I give the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake? A point five, I believe. I haven't given any zeros, have I? You have not given any zeros. I have not given any zeros. You've given five. You you hand out fives like candy. I have not yeah. given out any fives. Yeah, basically, um, you know, we're we're whores for any movie. You and I will watch anything. Uh, I'm so fucking lootly, bud. Yeah, it's him over there that uh, will say, I ain't watching that again. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so snobby. Such a snob. The uh, zero came partially because of the dramatic, the cataclysmic drop off the edge into the abyss of where I thought the movie was and then the movie that I watched again. Well, here's the thing, too. I'm not saying it's a good movie, not by any stretch of the imagination. For the amount of hate text messages I got from his wife after Flash Gordon, I was so sure he was given Flash a zero. That was Maggie's opinion, not mine. Okay. I, yeah, see, she he, has her opinion. I have my opinion. That's that, how that works, John. How, how, that's how it works? That's how that works, bud. Uh, you should take that into consideration. Uh, um. Well, I, I will tell you that Julie's review of this movie was hot fuzz. No, hot piece of shit. Okay. See, now that's just going to get me angry because that just goes to show you that uh, your wife, though I love her, you know, I'm just going to leave it at that. That's all I'm going to say. She, okay. she did not Ending on a high note, movie. that's good. Thank you. Thank she you. said it was a great movie for the boys. Uh, so before we so rudely interrupted you, Professor, you were going to give us your score. Oh, okay. Uh, Hot Fuzz, an excellent movie. I was going to ask as well, but we can't. You know, where does this movie fall in the trilogy? How would you rate your trilogy? One, two, three. Would it be Shaun of the Dead and then Hot Fuzz and then World's End? But you and I, we could do that, and we'll do that off the air, but John can't. So we'll just skip that whole part. I want to point out that Hot Fuzz is an excellent movie. It has a wonderful cadence to it. It uh, has beautifully beautifully done panning shots. I love the... uh, the editing that's done in this, it is so smartly done and creatively interpreted on how it wants to show a passage of time. And it also has rich characters. Each one of these supporting characters are just so much fun to watch in their own little ways. I also thought that Timothy Dalton made an excellent bad guy. Sure. We got to see him be a bad guy in The Rocketeer way back when, and I thought that he did a really, really nice job in this as well. You mean Prince Baron? Was that who he was in uh, Rocketeer? No, but that's who he's portraying in this movie. That was his inspiration. Sorry, I interrupted. I know. You tell me to shut the fuck up? <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. So I, I really got to hand it to... Uh, uh, Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. I love Edgar Wright's work, and hopefully we get to talk about other Edgar Wright movies because I think that he is such a talented movie maker. I'm going to give this movie 4.5. 4.5. Speaking of Edgar Wright, he has a new movie coming out. Do you know yes, that? Yes, he does. And it's a horror flick. I am really looking forward to this. Last, uh, uh, Soho? Last Night in Soho, I think it's mm. called. 
Yeah. Yeah, looking forward to it. Saw a preview to it? Fuck yeah. All right, my man, go ahead. You know, normally with these movies that we rate, we talk about rewatchability. And I've said before, I think part of the problem we had, like with Friday the 13th, the original, once you know who the killer is or the killers are, there's really not much reason to go back and rewatch the movies. But as we discussed during this podcast, there's so many little things, so many subtle humor. There's things that if you blinked and missed, like for me, it was the doves flying. I didn't catch the doves flying in one scene, which is a call to every John Woo movie ever made, you know, Things like that, you know, I didn't catch. And going back and, re, you know, when we did our research on this and finding out, okay, here's the subtle hints and all that, it adds so much to the rewatchability of this movie that even though Julie hated it, I do want to go back and rewatch it. I do want to go back and see the movies. Now, would I pay the $3.99 to re-rent it? Probably not. But... It's also given me inspiration that I want to go and watch Shaun of the Dead and At World's End so I can catch some of those running gags that are appearing in all the different movies and see if, you know, since it had this kind of humor, subtle humor that I liked, do the other two, you know, are the two the same? You know, do they have the same kind of humor? Because that's something I'll enjoy. So overall, you know, at first I didn't think I'd like this movie. And when I watched it, I thought it was a little slow and a little predictable. And they threw enough curveballs at me that kept me interested, kept me watching. And I know, Don, you've said this before. You know, you kind of look at your watch or if you look at your watch, you kind of judge movies by that. I didn't find myself looking at my watch at all during this movie because I wanted to catch the next things and see if I could figure out where it was going. And it was also kind of refreshing that the most obvious answer was the answer in this movie of who done it. It wasn't, you know, this Skinner and it was just him. No, it was just the fact they hated everybody. So for that reason, I'm actually going to give this a higher score than I thought I would. I'm going to give it a 4.25. 4.25. Look at that. Not bad. Yarb. 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 And you know, when you give it a 4.25, what I think you're really doing is just doing it for the greater good. The, the greater, greater good. good. So, Don, it's your turn. We've revi- we have reviewed this movie. Time for you to give your review of this movie. Thanks, Professor. Uh, Hot Fuzz. Uh, a fun ride from beginning to end. Uh, I love the way it was written. I love the way it was shot. I love the way the uh, actors performed. I love the way it was edited, the music. Uh, I loved everything about this film. If I had to pick one thing to not gush about it, I would probably have to say, and this might be controversial sometimes, but the running time. I think it's just a tad bit too long, maybe five, ten minutes too long. You'd be surprised how fast or how slow you know time can go in a movie, or maybe you wouldn't be surprised. But in this particular instance, uh, I think it's just a tad bit too long. And because of that, I'm going to give Hot Fuzz of 4.25. The biggest question I have is, were you sad to see the living statue die? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Wait, he was dead, but his eyes were open. Because he was a living statue. <laughs> I love the bit about the big bushy beard. And then um, you saw him in the... In the catacombs, catacombs with the big bushy beard. Yeah, yeah. So I believe this is the point in our show where we need to pick our next movie, which happens to be... 
The last movie in the helmet. The last? Dawn. It would be your Western. This is my Western, and it is the last movie in the Bronco Helmet for this series of genre picks, which, again, I'm going to reiterate, no more genre picks. Oh, we're going to do more genre picks. Oh, we're not doing more genre picks. We're going to do some musicals. Okay, if you want to do musicals, fine. But That's a genre. Okay, but we are doing a genre movie pretty coming up. Well, I guess all movies are can. No, we are doing a genre movie. And what genre genre movie is that going to be? Our Christmas pick. Oh, yeah, our Christmas pick. That's a genre, Christmas, don't you think? A holiday movie? Yeah. Hey, speaking of holiday movies and Christmas movies, you know what Elisa and I just watched? What? Gremlins. No shit. I haven't seen that in ages. It has been a long a time. Since it is. It it holds up. Uh, I liked it. That was my next question. How did it hold up? Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. You should check it out. All right. So the next film that we are going to be reviewing is the 2015 Western Bone Tomahawk. As soon as you said 2015, I thought, oh, you bastard. Mm-hmm. You bastard do you want to tell me anything about that movie since no I've never heard of it no hang on no. Just let me give him the synopsis let me just give him the <clears throat> in the dying days of the old west an elderly sheriff and his posse set out to rescue their town's doctor from cannibalistic cave dwellers bitch you gave that away so it's a food movie why? He just needed to know it, it's a western and then john watches it and they go in do you think john wasn't going to look it up the guy who looks up movies and facts and, and trivia whilst watching a fucking movie. You think were he you, wasn't going to look it up? Were you going to do that? Yarp. <sighs> so, I love your enthusiasm, but... Don you kn- knows me better. Yeah, you knew... Well, I don't know if I know you better, but I knew you would fucking look it up. Yeah, so I'm going to look just, up the trivia before I watch the movie. It doesn't give away the movie. It just tells you what to look for. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Okay, but, you know, when you have a movie that just takes a sudden left turn and you're like, holy shit. I thought you liked those holy shit moments. Well, in today's age, it's hard to have those holy shit moments. I'm sure I'm still going to find a holy shit moment in it. Oh, you are. And I know exactly what part it is. But. So this is a movie you both have seen? He has not seen it. I have not. But how long have I been talking about it? Since probably, I don't know, five years. Yeah. Okay. I've been telling you and TJ to watch it forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. The who, do you uh, know who directed it or who wrote it? Uh, S. Craig Zoller directed it, and it stars Kurt Russell. Oh, that, well, you had me at Kurt Russell. Patrick yeah. Wilson and Matthew Fox. Yeah, uh, um, it's got to be right at the same time as uh, The Hateful Eight, because he looks exactly the same. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. Um, hey, John. Where can they catch us? They can catch us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com. They can catch us at any popular or even not popular podcasting hosting sites, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Google iTunes, all of them. They're all out there. Uh, They can find us on Instagram. Thank you, Don. They can find us on Tumblr. They can find us on Facebook and Twitter. What What about Pinterest? Well, we're waiting for you to kind of, we figured the professor is going to take over Pinterest and TikTok. <laughs> yeah, let's put the professor on the TikTok. We had a great idea we we're talking before about, and, and professor's already volunteered to do this, is we're going to have his kids, since he does like fourth graders and stuff, we're going to have him, the kids, 
do the scenes, act out the scenes from the movies, and then we're going to dub their voices into the actual scenes. All right. So uh, for three guys in a flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Be safe out there. Thanks for listening. When you give it a 4.25, what I think you're really doing is just doing it for the greater good. The greater good. Greater good. <laughs> really saying by giving it a 4.25 is that you're doing it for the greater good. Greater good. The greater good. The greater good. Okay, so uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of two... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two guys fuck you <laughs> two guys and a dick professor uh, you're fired uh all right uh fuck off i love you both good night